International Affairs. Yes, to France, where farmers across Europe have taken to the streets in protest against higher taxes, import issues, competition from cheaper imports and more. France, is being the biggest agricultural producer in Europe, witnessed farmers blocking roads around the country for two weeks last month. Convoys of tractors obstructed roads across the nation. There's now a fresh warning from France's largest farming union that the that if the government doesn't do more to address their demands for better pay and working conditions, protests could resume. Let's get the latest from Anne-Elisabeth Motet. Uh, Anne-Elisabeth is a French journalist, writer and columnist and joins us live on the program. Anne-Elisabeth, good evening to you and uh, a big good welcome evening, to Nightlife. Uh, thank you very much. It's great to have you with us. What what sparked these protests? Uh, and you can you shed some light on the EU deal that farmers across Europe are protesting about. I think there was the EU deal was one of many uh, uh, tinkerings added to the consequences of the Green Deal, and uh, something that which is something that has uh, got farmers up in arms uh, all over the European continent but which has been, to some extent, made even worse by what, something that the French call trans, over-transposition, and this is jargon, but what it really means is uh, uh, taking the European directive, which are transposed into French law, as mm. most laws are nowadays, and adding to them extra dispositions, and the French farmers say, we are in unfair competition with the rest of Europe on this. Uh, because we are not fighting uh, on on a level playing ground. And it gets even worse when we allow, because of free trade agreements, places from Brazil to Morocco uh, to sell us stuff where they don't have the same green uh, requirements, they do not have the same hygiene requirements. They, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, so that's a combination of all sorts of measures that mean that 20% of a farmer's work week and it's a very long work week. It's got nothing to do with the 35-hour mandatory work week for salaried people in France. It's, it's really much probably double that, uh, especially in falling season. Uh, and it's added that to a number of other regulations that depend from as many as six different agencies. And they all say you can't do this before that date. You can't do this after that date. Um, you cannot, uh, depending on whether we classify, for instance, a ditch into a ditch or a small brook, you're allowed or you're forced not to clean it. Um, and and it's, it's become a thicket because none of these agencies, first of all, check with one another what would be convenient, considering that uh, plants and animals have got their own seasons, but also uh, that nobody considers the, 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 the conflicting uh, uh, problems that it creates for farmers. And the costs have become high. Essentially, they work for nothing except, you know, they, 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 they feed themselves and, and they take care as they can of their families if they can have them. It's difficult for French farmers to get married nowadays because it's a tough life. And uh, you and your wife are working from early in the morning until late at night. Uh, and uh, then you've had the effects of the war in Ukraine, which mean that transport uh, uh, has become more expensive, um, partly because there were 60,000 uh, Ukrainian drivers, truck drivers, that went uh, back to Ukraine to fight. Uh, the general inflation that is due to that of foodstuff, they are also angry about the fact that we've uh, generously said Ukrainians can sell uh, wheat in France. And uh, the farmer says, well, 
they don't grow us with all the regulations that we have when they join the European Union, fine, but even then. Uh, it's, it's a combination of many, many, many things. And, uh, you know, very old movie, network, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, that's, that's what's happening to the French farmers. Yes, as I said, well, as I said, that they are the biggest agricultural producer in Europe. Europe, France, uh, Australians. As, yes, exactly. Australians might be interested to learn that France grows many times more, much more, much more wheat than Australia ever produces. Uh, they are a massive agricultural producer. Is this, in a sense, though, uh, Anne Elizabeth, uh, more of? The same gripes from French farmers uh, who are who are at, at base just worried about uh, agricultural competition from elsewhere. It's a, as I said, it's a combination of things because the uh, the farmers have sometimes done not so badly out of the green agenda. Hmm. Uh, they, for instance, they were subsidised to install uh, wind farms on their land. Uh, they are not subsidized to destroy the wind farms when they've reached the end of their productive wind farm life. Uh, and uh, that means, you know, you've got to bury uh, a 20 meter by 20 meter cube of concrete, uh, 20 meters underground so that the thing doesn't fall. Um, so it's turning out possibly not to be as good a deal as it was, but still there were subsidies for that. But for many other things, there's the virtue signaling for political reasons, because the Greens are a, a, a force in, in French politics, uh, which they, where they feel that there's, complete, there's a, an element of complete sort of un, misunderstanding about what it means. I'll give you an example. Uh, there are large uh, holding tanks that are installed in Western département in France because climate change means that it gets drier and farmers need water. These have been opposed by the Greens in one département where they were arranged battles with the police and people got hurt uh, by gr the Green movement. Uh, the next département, uh, the MP is actually Green. And he voted for these things. So you've got people in right now increasingly in, in, in lots of political movements where people essentially sort of shape their own personal policy. It's almost like I'm at Amazon and I'm going to pick the model I like. And um, the, the Département des Deux-Sèvres had all those, those uh, fights on, on, on these things. And the farmers are exhausted with this. They need the water. They need other things. They need, they need uh, uh, herbicides. Uh, uh, to be able to grow stuff when they've decided not to go the organic route, um, mm. which is now about 15 to 17% of French farming. It's, it's a lot of conflicting pressures on people who've always been over-pressured by a hard life. Yeah. All right. And uh, Anne-Elisabeth Monte is my, uh, my guest, French journalist, a writer and a columnist. We're talking about what's going on, matters in France at the moment of, of note. But France and the Ukraine, by the way, or France and Ukraine, are, are about to sign a security agreement. This is according uh, to the French Foreign Minister. Uh, what's this security agreement going to entail? Uh, the security agreement, the details are not yet announced, but they say that it would be finalized. It would be actually possibly finalized today at the Elysee Palace. And there's been an announcement that Volodymyr Zelensky would be visiting. Uh, one big aspect of this is that France is going to uh, uh, produce uh, 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 about 30 Caesar uh, cannons, which are big cannons with great precision, and they can fight well in, in an armored uh, sort of battle. Uh, they've sent out 
uh, there's all sorts of agreements to provide more uh, um, ordnance uh, and uh, military aid. We do not know yet how much uh, this would cost because there are very uh, different calculations uh, on, on how much the French have spent. The French say we spent uh, 3.2 billion euros already to Ukraine. Uh, this calculation is, is, is contested. And one of the reasons why this calculation is contested is that uh, when it has been priced, it's just been priced by a parliamentary report, uh, the, it is priced not at the price of the sometimes old equipment that we're sending to Ukraine, but by their price to replace it uh, in, in, in the French arsenal. And sometimes it's, it's several times the cost uh, when you want to buy the new stuff, if you've got two, two, two 20 year old things, uh, uh, hmm. uh, missiles, etc., and you want to buy the new stuff, the new stuff is going to be much more expensive. So uh, it's, it's not the same thing as Britain. Britain has been much more outright on how much it was doing, and it is leading the uh, Western aid to Ukraine. That sure. is really something. What's the feeling up. in France about Ukraine and Elizabeth? Is this, I mean, there is some weakening of resolve, perhaps in some parts of the world. What's the feeling in France about about the continued expensive backing of Ukraine with with money and weapons? I would say that we're not as bad as one part of America, but even America <laughs> still sort of, uh, even even nowadays, America still, you know, the majority of Americans still support Ukrainians. The British, uh, they remember, you know, Britain holding out against the Nazis and they see what happened and it's completely outright. And of course, there's the fact that uh, Britain has been targeted by assassinations and, and, and spying for almost a century by the Soviet Union. Uh, and they see that Putin is made of the same cloth. So the feeling towards Russia, uh, you know, including people who sort of, you know, uh, poisoning an entire area of the city of Salisbury by trying to mm. poison a Russian emigre, for instance. So these are things that linger. Uh, the French have now come on recently to the realization that Russia for decades has been targeting France as a place of influence. And Russian influence, you can see when you listen to pundits, um, because uh, one part of the hard right and one part of the hard left is very anti-Ukraine, and they literally use Putin's uh, talking points. Uh, it, I mean, it is absolutely amazing. And there have been now uh, discoveries uh, uh, and revelations about how organized this is, how organized the influences, how organized were the, the seminars, the invitations to Moscow, to all sorts of categories of, 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 of French uh, 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 sort of people in, 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 in the sort of influenceable and influencing classes. For instance, the military were invited to various celebrations of how we were comrades in arms and great patriotic war, mm. and even about, you know, let's be friends together over the Crimean War in which we were on, you know, the other side. Uh, and all of this was masterminded at people close to Putin with an extremely competent plan. Uh, there have been recently revelations about how they literally have agents of influence. There have been French think tanks that have been completely funded by the Russians. And you have all those troll farms and everything. And mm. um, Macron has made a mention of that. And probably it rankles. Uh, and it's good that it goes in the public domain, but you will always find uh, in the French church, you know, Putin has built a massive cathedral in Paris, uh, the Russian Orthodox, and he organized seminars with members of the Catholic Church saying, we are Christians in a world that doesn't like Christians, all of this. Mm. He 
doesn't mind killing Christians in Ukraine, but you know, it's an entirely different thing. <laughs> um, so uh, by and large, the majority can see that Ukrainians are courageous and, and still support that. Uh, as I said, possibly the thing that is the most harmful might be uh, might be uh, the fact that Ukrainians uh, are trying to you know have been helped to sort of keep a source of income and sell some of the agricultural produce. It's a country mm. with a great deal of agriculture, and and that creates something. Overall, I would say that if you think that some things are faltering, it's because it's not the nature of Emmanuel Macron to be Boris Johnson. No. He, they, they are different animals. They are indeed. They are indeed. And Anne-Elizabeth Motet is my guest, French journalist and writer. We're talking about matters in France at the moment. Just finally, before you go, Anne-Elizabeth, to the Olympic Games, uh, of course, on in Paris in the middle of this year. I guess Paris really looking forward to all of this. Uh, Emmanuel Macron has uh, had to intervene in a dispute about relocating booksellers from the banks of the Seine, of the River Seine, for the Paris Olympics. Because for the first time, uh, I think in uh, Summer Olympic Games history, the opening ceremony is not happening in the stadium so much as along the Seine. What's going on with the poor old booksellers? The booksellers are... You know, they are an iconic image of Paris. They've had those sort of wooden boxes that are uh, sort of crude, more or less, to to the uh, 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 the parapets of the of the uh, of the quays of the Seine, and they've already found life more and more difficult as fewer people. It's a hard work. Again, same thing. The booksellers are independent workers. Uh, they are there night in, night out when it rains, when it doesn't, uh, and uh, some of them. Their children decided to do something less difficult and probably more profitable. Uh, others have started selling stuff that are not so many antiquarian books as basically sort of tourist stuff that they know they will find buyers for. But they still remain and you can find treasures and you can find engravings and you can find all sorts of things there. The the, the boxes that they use, the little kiosks that would, would hardly sort of cover their head sometimes, uh, are uh, fragile because they've been there for so long. The... Uh, the préfet police and the mayor of Paris said, oh, there will be security problems. Nobody wants to be mm. responsible for security problems. And they decided that they would tell these people to take their boxes and go. But it's very difficult. There were attempts one night to try and sort of move four boxes. And the disaster it created, uh, destroying a box, taking time to do it, taking time to take the inventory. They had been instructed that they would not be allowed to trade in these boxes three months before the Olympics, and it would take two or three months again to put the boxes back. And that means something like, you know, half a year loss of income. And uh, this became a bit of a course célèbre. Uh, the mayor insisted because she's very sort of, she's very strong headed like that. And the préfet police insisted because it's his job to take care of security and he's not uh, especially trying to please anyone. Uh, Emmanuel Macron likes to be the king and he decided, you know, and nobody can fault anyone for terrorism if it happens anymore. anymore. He said, no, no, we want these books back. And it was yet another instance in which uh, he was channeling his inner de Gaulle or his inner Louis XIV. <laughs> Liberté, egalité and freedom to sell books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all, Eli- all allowed by the president. Exactly. And Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I do thank you for your time. Thank I know you. you I know you're busy and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And Elizabeth Moutet is a French journalist and uh, 
writer and columnist joining us there from, from Paris. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.